that's enough out of me. Let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray together. Let's really trust the Lord. I've got a very, very simple wee message tonight. It'll not be nothing that'll confound you, I don't think. It'll not be nothing that you need a lot of brains to work out. But I, I trust that it'll be God's work for, it for your heart tonight. And as we're bowed in God's presence, just say, God, I'm open for you to speak to my heart tonight. I'm open for you to deal with me in the, the, in the, the circumstances of my life. And, and just pray, God, you have my life, my heart, my mind, and everything in this meeting. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the fellowship we enjoy one with the other. For the mercies of God which are new every morning and great is your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for us and the love that you've shed abroad in our hearts. And Father, how you work with us, how you deal with us, how you meet with us and how you, uh, how you, you reveal yourself to us. And oh God, we thank you for one another. Thank you for every person that's gathered in this place tonight. Thank you, Lord, for each one. Lord, from the homes that they come from, from the, uh, the families and friends, Lord, this, uh, uh, this season, we pray, dear God, that the richness of God's mercy and grace will be their portion. Lord, we long that we'd hear the voice of God. We long to come face to face with him tonight. We long, dear God, that you will have your unhindered way. That, oh God, that you'll be able to handle our hearts, that you'll be able to enlighten our minds. Lord, that you'll be enabled, uh, Lord, by your spirit just to touch us and, and meet us at the very point of our need. Oh God, we pray that any individual who has a, a burning desire, has a hunger, there's an issue in their lives and they're longing for God. We pray tonight, God, that you will reveal yourself in all your glory and all your power and all your majesty and all your grace. Father, we ask for your help as we worship you. We ask for your help as we minister your word. We ask for your help as we practice after this service. And pray, O oh God, that you will take the field and, uh, Lord, own this opportunity, we pray in Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, one of the key words that the angels said as they came to those shepherds was joy, joy on earth. And uh, that's the first uh, song we're going to sing. It's a carol again. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. All right, let's get stand and sing together. Thanks, James.
Next song, we talk, spoke about angels, angels from the realms of glory. And they came and announced and came singing and praising and rejoicing. And the whole earth was filled up with light. And uh, our next song is Angels from the Realms of Glory.
One of the, the theological doctrinal words that you'll find as we consider the, 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 the birth of the Lord Jesus condescending, he came down from heaven's glory. He came and took upon himself the restrictions of human frailty. That's one of the big truths. And you know as, as well as I do that he did that so that he could taste and experience what you and I experienced. But more than that, God as God couldn't die. So he became a man so that he could die. And think about all that he went through just to take upon himself the frailty of humanity. I mean, he was there at the, at the well of Samaria, and he says, I thirst. The one who created the oceans of the world says he thirsts. That's a tremendous truth as we think about the Christ and uh, as we sing this song, down from his glory. And think about those words, those thoughts, as we sing this carol.
Amen. You may be seated. And if you've got a Bible, then I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter in chapter 3. Thank you to the band. Thank you to those men on the desk that help you see the words and hear the sounds. Uh, we never give them the appreciation that is due them, so we appreciate it so much as you help us in the worship and the, re- and the singing of these great songs. We're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And we'll go from verse 3 to verse 9, Richard, if that's all right with you, my friend. Uh, 1 Peter 3, one, uh, where the, uh, the, 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 the title tonight is The Mercy of God Towards Me, or Mercy Me, or the M&M, Mercy for Me, uh, tonight. And we're looking at the miracles, the miracles contained in the mercy of God. Uh, 1 Peter 3, sorry, 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to verse 9. Here's Peter, and he speaks, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith, For a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various troubles and trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith. More precious than gold that perishes. Though it is tested by the fire. May be found to result in praise and glory and honor. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with faith that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. And we trust that the Lord will bless that reading of his word. There are quite a number of blessings, miracles, that are connected with the mercy of God in that little passage. We're going to bring out three or maybe even four, as I seen another one just as I was reading them. The miracle of faith. I hadn't even thought of that, but there are other miracles contained in this little passage. There was a politician who went back to his photographer, very dissatisfied with the, uh, the photographs that he'd taken for the, uh, the posters that he wanted to put around for this new voting season. He said, those photos that you took don't do me justice. In fact, they do me a terrible injustice, said the, said the politician. The photographer replied, with a face like yours, it's not justice, you need its mercy. <laughs> we have a world today, and they're running around screaming for justice. From Bangladesh to Bangor, from Belfast to Brussels, from Carlisle to Kathmandu, If it's not civil rights, it's human rights. If it's not equal pay, it's equal opportunities. If it's not for the environment, it's for the unborn. If it's not for the animals, it's for vegetation. Well, my dear friends, it's not justice the world needs today. It's mercy. It's mercy. No matter who you are tonight, no matter where you are in your walk, or no matter whether you're an atheist or a believer, you need the mercy of God. 
There are many of us here who could stand up and say, yes, I experienced and I know something of the mercy of God. Well, let me give you a little lifetime, and I think this really happened because on YouTube you'll get an old judge, and everybody he comes before him, he's always so merciful. I can't forget his name, and I'd love to be able to tell you, because I find it quite amusing. Some of you have seen him, and he's always uh, being so just and merciful to everybody that comes before him. He's let boys off the hook for speeding and for all sorts of things. Well, the mayor of a particular town in America walked into the court as he was sitting, and he asked the judge, he says, Judge, he says, uh, you're, you're dismissed for the day. He says, I want to take over. And so the mayor of the town went and he took over. And there came before him a woman who was caught red-handed for stealing bread and, and, and butter and milk and, and vital things for life. And, 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 and he says, well, why did you do this? He says, because I have no money. My husband's dead. I've got five children. I have nothing to provide for them. And she says, and I have found no way or no how that I can provide for my children. And so he duly found her 40 pounds. And then he said, but I want, he said, first of all, he said, to give you 10 pounds towards the fine. And then he fined everybody in the court a pound note, or the equivalent of a pound note, and he fined them all for letting a situation like this exist. And whenever he had done all his finding and all the people had brought in their contributions, they paid for her fine, and she had 50 pounds to spare. And he told her to go and buy another bag of groceries for the children. That is what we would call a lifetime and a real-time analogy of mercy. Mercy is getting not getting what you do deserve. Mercy is God looking upon us not as we deserve and dealing with us not as we deserve, but as the heart of God determines that he would deal with us in love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And boy, is that not good, good news, isn't it? Isn't it good news? Because I want to tell you, if it weren't for the mercy of God, none of us would be here. The very first time that he came uh, uh, to us and, and, and gave us the, 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 uh, the uh, opportunity, should I say, of, of hearing the gospel or responding to it, and we refused, we could have been wiped off the face of the earth. But God comes, and it's mercy that drives the heart of God. He wants to be merciful. He's not like what the world displays him as. Some people display him as a woolly-haired old gentleman sitting on the clouds, totally disinterested in the affairs of men. But our God is a merciful God. And who knows the lengths and the breadths of which God has gone to to show his mercy to us. And thank God his mercy follows us every day. And the mercy of God intervenes and works in our lives and has brought so many blessings. And Paul here, Paul, or sorry, Peter here, who, who, who knows himself that if it weren't for the mercy of God, that he wouldn't even have the opportunity of preaching uh, to the, and writing this great uh, little epistle. I'm going to give you at least three things, and if I have time, I'll give you the fourth, but I'm not going to be on seven o'clock tonight, all right? Look at your watches and give me a dirty look if it goes to seven o'clock. Won't you do that? Do you know how to give a dirty look? Of course you do. I've seen them before. All right, here's the first one. Here, here's the first one that we see. Because Peter mentions it here. We are begotten again. Or he has caused us to be born again. That's the first miracle. We're born again. Born again. You see, where life and where Adam and Eve had left us, we were dead in trespasses and sins. 
But the, one of the first things that happened you and I before we came to Christ is we felt this wonderful drawing within our souls. There was something taking place. For some, it might have been reading the Word of God. For others, it might have been hearing someone speaking a message. And for someone else, it might have been a testimony, like the testimonies you'll hear next, next year. Or for something else, it might have been a tractor, a little, like, like those wee, wee, uh, signs that we see on, 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 the, on, the, on, the, on the telegraph poles and on the electric poles, Jesus saves. And how many times we've heard testimony of people who've seen just a little snippet of God's word and they were drawn into something that was bigger than themselves. God began to work. In fact, Jesus said, none can come to me except the Father which sent me. Draw him. Draw him. And so, for whatever way and however God found a way, his light shone on your darkened soul. And you began to see what your life was truly like. And you began to see what Christ was truly like. And you began to see that there's something better than the light you have. Which reminds me of this story and on. There was a man, way before there was ever electric lights and all sorts of contraptions for, for, for uh, daylight. And when these babies were born at the home, in home, and baby, when babies were born in home, in the middle of the country, far away from any hospital or city, a woman went into labor. And the doctor was summoned and he arrived on his horse with his little bag under his hand. And he asked the husband to hold the light so that he could see what he was doing. Sure enough, the first baby was born, and the husband was about to lower the light, and the doctor said, hold on, there's another one. And just as he was about to lower the light, the doctor said, hold on, there's another one. And just as he was about to lower the light, he says, no, hold on, there's another one. And the farmer, the father looked to the doctor, and he said, do you think it's the light that's attracting them? <laughs> I want to tell you, my dear friends, it's the light that attracted me to him. Paul says as he went along the road to Damascus, he says, I saw a great light. What did that light do in his soul? That light revealed to him the glory and the holiness of God. It revealed to him the horribleness of his sin. It revealed to him the greatness of God's mercy and grace. It did more in his heart in a moment than any philosopher or any Bible teacher or any, any individual could do in your life or in my life in a lifetime. I saw the light. The miracle, the miracle of the new birth. The method that God uses to bring us to himself. And it shows us, that it attracts us to him, something greater. I would not in my own life have realized it when I was going through this, but I, I, I oftentimes as a young teenager, and maybe you've got all the same testimony as I have to this, in, this, in this area, where you, you said in yourself, there must be more to life than this. There must be more. There must be something else. The very fact that you would feel like that would be an evidence of the grace of God working in your heart, wooing you, drawing you. Because God never makes you become a Christian. He never drives you to be saved. But God begins to show to you and to, to create a hunger and a thirst and to draw you onto the loveliness of Christ. Not only that was not only the attraction, but the detestation of your sin, the conviction of sin, then the conviction, confession of your sin, and then there was conversion. Left to ourselves, we are, we are dead in trespasses and sin. But whenever his light comes on, we, we, we look for the answer to the human problem, the sin, the problem of our hearts, which is sin. 
But I want you to look a wee bit deeper here. How difficult would it be to live the Christian life if you weren't been born again? Imagine trying to live the Christian life and you're not saved. I mean, the Christian life is a supernatural life, isn't it? And we're dwelt upon and we're lived within by the Spirit of God. And Paul says in Ephesians 1 or is in Ephesians 2, I'll, I'll leave that up to the, I, I just haven't uh, looked up the verse, but he says, he, 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 he gives us the seal of the promise of the Holy Spirit and he comes and dwells within our hearts. And as whenever Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he says, you, he says, except a man is born again. And the word there, the Greek word is born from above and he energizes, he enables, he, he explodes us into life and we are changed by the sovereign and the mighty power of God I'm going to tell you folks and here's why it's a mercy I'm glad that God's salvation doesn't come by intellect because the man that's standing in front of you hasn't got enough brains to give himself a headache and if I was to try and work it out I couldn't work it out I'm glad it comes through the new birth because for those who haven't got the best ability physically, if you had to work for it, you couldn't work for it, so you'd be excluded. Or perhaps, maybe, if it was by buying and purchasing and, and, and giving of money that you could be, and some of you could be as poor as an Elam church mouse. And boy, we like to keep, to keep the mice poor. You could be as poor as a mouse. And you couldn't buy it. I'm glad tonight that God's salvation doesn't come through ability, doesn't come through finance, doesn't come through intellect, doesn't come any other way but the supernatural power of God coming upon a soul, and it's the mercy of God. And those of you who have known the work of God in your heart, those of you who have known that true blue born-again experience, and by the way, I might just be stamping on someone's toes tonight because you've been trying to live according to the Christian code, but don't know what it is to be set free. I want to tell you, my dear friends, God's salvation, from my experience, is a supernatural experience. The light first dawned on my soul. It was like the light went all in my heart. And I saw things in a different way. I saw God in a different way. Because I used to look at God and I was afraid of him. I used to put my life in the balance and say, well, I've done a lot better than other boys. But never knowing. Oh, God's salvation is a supernatural salvation. Isn't it a mercy, isn't it? To know that one day in your experience, God came to your life, and some way, somehow, wonderfully, you didn't find Christ. He found you and brought you out of darkness into light. He let go of the old shackles of sin, and you're out of that old straight jacket of religion. And boy, you were set free to serve Christ. Isn't that wonderful tonight? What a mercy. The mercy of God in his salvation. We were born into a world domineered and dominated by the devil. We were blinded by the devil because God's word says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not unless in case the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should dawn in our hearts. That's how the devil wanted to keep you. But God found a way through the light of his word. It's great tonight, isn't it? That's his first mercy. 
Here's the second mercy. The mercy of an inheritance. Paul say, or Peter says in verse 4, Unto an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and, fading, uh, and unfading. And doesn't, it doesn't uh, fade away. Two friends met one day. One looked very forlorn and the other looked very, very happy indeed. The other asked, what's the matter with you? He says, I have no money. Oh, he says, well, I'm delighted because someone left me, an old uncle left me 40 grand last week. Sorry, I've got that the wrong way around. Let me tell this. Let me start again. Forget what I said there. There's two men met together, and, and, and one was very, very sad looking, and there was one saying, well, what's wrong with you? He says, well, he says, last week, an old uncle left me 40,000. But he says, rejoice, that's good news. And he says, just yesterday, he says, another uncle left me 50,000 pounds. He says, well, why are you sad? He says, well, nobody left me in today. I want to tell you, see the inheritance we have in God is much more and much more valuable than money. And I know the first thing that you'll think about, and you're right to think about it, the first thing that you and I will think about is heaven. Ah, one day, folks, if you're a child of God, we're not going to be sitting on brown carpet or or on soft seats. We're going to be walking the streets of gold. We're going to be rubbing shoulders with the saints that have gone before us. We're going to sing with the angels in heaven, worthy is the lamb that was slain. And boy, I tell you, there'll be no restriction or restraint. There'll be no more sickness. And here, I was thinking last night as I was pondering this, this tree of the fruit. And every month, and the, the, the thing, it, 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 it stopped me in my tracks as I was thinking last night. Every month, a new fruit. Is there months in eternity? Are there months in heaven? Well, here, all I can say is this. All I can say is this, that God often uses what I would call human language to try and convey to us a message. There is total satisfaction in heaven. There will be wanting for nothing. And you'll never see those old wrinkles on their eyes. You see them old bags? Sorry, see that, those are, you see, see that luggage that you carry around with you, them bags on their eyes? You'll have none, no more ingrown toenails. And you know, a wonderful thing, no more income tax. Why we're coming to that time of the year when we have to fill in all these forms and we have to try and keep as much money from the government as we, try, as we possibly can. Isn't that right? I'm not talking about inv- inv- evading. I'm not ta- talking about coming. I just want to give them as little as possible. But I'll give them what's due them. All right? Are you with me? Don't, ta- don't you leave this place saying that man was telling us to avoid paying our taxes. No, I paid all mine. When I get to heaven... There will be no more growing old, no more sickness, no more tears. Oh, yes, my dear friends, when I think of inheritance, I think, I think of heaven. That's the first place. And the joy it will be to be in glory, to be with all the loved ones that have gone before. The old song said, there are loved ones in the glory. Who's dear? What is it? We, oh, well, I, I get the rest of it. You, you, you can sing it to us later on. What, what a joy it will be. Someone said, are you looking forward to seeing Raymond when you get to heaven? Absolutely, yes. But you know the first face that I'm looking forward to seeing? My Savior. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't be there. But there's more to our inheritance than heaven. Paul, or Peter says it here, there's the grace of God. The grace of God. There's the comfort the fellowship we have with him. His righteousness deposited on our, on our behalf. His grace, his goodness, 
his patience, his long-suffering, his kindness, his forgiveness, his fellowship. He says it's undefiled and it never, ever fades away. The day you got saved, I, I, I don't know what you, I'm looking forward to this wee testimony night. I'm looking forward to hearing wee events, wee moments in your life over this past year when God spoke a word into your heart. When God came at times when you were at your darkest, in the, a darkest hour in this past year and he came with his light. When God came to you and you found you didn't know what route or road to take and God came and he cleansed it for you. What an inheritance. What an inheritance. The grace of God. The grace of God gives us what we don't deserve. And the mercy of God withholds from us what we do deserve. It says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. An old black preacher was preaching at a church member's funeral. The deceased was a true believer and had left a wonderful testimony. His name was Clarence. He did an unusual thing in the funeral. The old black preacher went down to the middle, uh, to the front of the coffin, and he removed the lid of the coffin and he started preaching to Karen, Clarence. He said, Clarence, are you enjoying life? And he would answer for Clarence, oh, I'm enjoying it. Have you experienced his presence? Oh, have I experienced his presence? I'm now in the full glory of his presence. I'm enjoying his grace, his goodness. And I've seen him. And the, the, the old, uh, I was once seeing him through veiled glass, but now I see him face to face. And the conversation went on and on till the congregation stood up and applauded for what Clarence was now enjoying in the very presence of God. never fades away, it's indestructible, and it's unchangeable. And that's what you have if you're a child of God. What a mercy. You mightn't have been brought up very well. In this, in, uh, you mightn't have been brought up with very much. You mightn't have had a silver spoon in your mouth. You mightn't have been able to afford the luxuries of this life. You mightn't have had much by way of respect or self-respect for yourself, and you mightn't have gained much respect from others, but all oh, to be in the presence of the one who loved you and to have that crown placed upon your head. And my dear friend, to rejoice in his presence forevermore. Neither king or queen ever portrayed or, or commanded such glory as the glory of the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords. Oh, what provision there is for us. And every one of our seats are kept for us. I was at a wedding the other day. No, the other day. A few weeks ago. It's amazing how time runs by on me. Even when I'm preaching. And, and, and I was at a wedding. And my brother-in-law was sitting beside me. And he said, would you keep my seat? I said, right, I will. Uh, and, and then about 10 minutes, he was, I don't know what he was doing, but he was away for 10 minutes. I think he was taking photographs of the bride. You know, I, I had an awful lot of wasted time taking photographs of weddings, isn't there? 
I was at a wedding once up in Enniskillen. They weren't Christians, by the way. And they weren't, but uh, the, 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 the photographs went on for at least, and Esther, you can correct me if I'm wrong, about four and a half or five hours. When they came back into the place of reception, everybody was stone drunk. <laughs> and they couldn't eat their meal. Well, anyway, here at this wedding was up in Glasslaw, the castle there, and, and, uh, and my, my brother-in-law, there was 250 people at that wedding. It was a great wedding, by the way. And, and the, my brother-in-law was sitting beside me, and he said, I, I'm, I'll have to go out. And he was away. I don't know how long he was away for. And he, you'll keep my seat. I said, I will. Have you ever tried to keep a seat for anybody at a wedding when there's no room for maybe 20 people out of 250 to sit? Have you, have you ever? Well, you don't even look or somebody be sitting on your knee. So after 10 minutes, I'm still kind of half spraddled over the seat. And this, this, this wee creator of a, a woman, about 95, walked in with this wee walking stick. Can I have that seat? Could I say no? Of course you can, darling. And she left after 10 minutes and she, laughed, she took the, the granddaughter. You sit down beside me. And then this thing, I had this 25-year-old blade sitting beside me. And then Andrew walked in and he says, you didn't keep my seat. I said, she was better looking than you are. It's kept for us. It's kept for us. Peter said that. It's kept. Is your seat kept? It's written in indelible ink. Trevor Galanders, from wherever it is he comes from, because I hardly know where I come from now. I've lived in Ballymena, hey, I've lived in Cork, I've lived in Edinburgh, I've lived in, in Monaghan, I've lived uh, all over the show. It's not so much where I come from, it's where I'm going to. Is your name on your seat? Kept. What a miracle. I couldn't have bought it, I couldn't have paid for it. I couldn't have merited it. I didn't certainly deserve it. But he's written my name down on that seat. And I'll be there. Isn't it wonderful? Some of us, when we're going on holidays, we want the best seat. And so we're too mingy to pay the extra money to go to the front. Isn't that right? If you're like me, you're too stingy and you won't go for, for was it what they call this? Uh, this, this first class. Some of you boys are well healed. You probably could go first class. I've never had that privilege. If, I mean, if anybody wants to send me anywhere first class, I'll take it, yes. But I'll always try to get as near to the front because I want to be first out of that plane. I don't want to be standing in that queue for any longer than I have to. Any of you like me at all? But isn't it wonderful to know that you don't have to pay for this seat? You don't even have to queue for it. And I don't know how we'll get there, whether he comes back or we're taken. It matters not but there's nobody who's going to take my place. What an inheritance. Verse 4 and 5, and with this I'm almost finished. Verse 4 and 5, there's the mercy of his protection. His protection. I don't know the lengths to which God went. I do know that we read this morning in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, His angels are ministering spirits sent forth to protect those who shall be heirs of salvation. Isn't that a wonderful thought? I'll tell you even deeper than that, I believe every one of us is a guardian angel 
who cares and watches over us. I believe that. I don't worship angels, and every time I see a feather floating, I don't think it's an angel. But my Bible tells me that the angels are ministering spirits sent forth to, 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 to protect those who shall be here. Listen, there are three aspects of salvation. There's, you were saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. You know that, don't you? We were saved the moment we trusted in Christ. Our place in heaven was as sure as if we were already there. But as we go through life, we're being saved. Being saved from what? From making wrong decisions sometimes. Sometimes we're saved from ourselves. And the temptations of life. When the old dark cloud comes over us and we can't hardly think for ourselves and we, and we, we wonder and somehow something, some inclination, some, some direction comes to our hearts or something happens, we're being saved. And then one day, when we pop our clogs in this old life and close our eyelids in death, we will be saved. That's the three elements of salvation. At no point can you be lost. But at some point you could maybe fall out with God and go the wrong direction and, and, and fall into Bypath Meadow. But nevertheless, I often wonder the lengths to which God went to to get you and I to a place of repentance and faith. There was a woman in America where they believe in people carrying guns. And as the day got more dangerous, she decided she'd buy a gun. And she came out of the shop one day and she saw she had her gun in her handbag and she saw four men sitting in her car. And she took out her gun and she went to these four men and she got them out of the car and they fled for their life. She got into the car and she tried to start her car, but the key wouldn't go into the car. It wasn't her car at all. God never makes a mistake when it comes to our lives. I know there are lots of dangers in our world and we need protection. In fact, whenever Jesus was teaching, not teaching, when he showed them the model prayer, he said, when ye pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day our daily bread, and for, our di give us... Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. God, lead me into temptation. That's not the proper English rendering. Lord, prevent my feet from going into a place or I'll be tempted away from you. The miracle. I'm looking forward, as I said, on that Christmas, New Year's Eve of hearing testimonies. You prepare. Pray about it now. Write out a few wee notes. Don't come and wonder what am I going to say. Have it thought about, prayed about, and bless the church. Bless the church. But I wonder... When I get the glory, when I hear the angel recount to the, the, the many times that God intervened in my life to get me to this point, boy, I'm, I'm sure there'll be reams and reams and column after column, page after page 
of the miraculous times when God stepped in and preserved me. And there's just that last one that I haven't got notes for, but it's the miracle of faith. Here's what it says in Ephesians 2. For by grace you're saved through faith. And then it goes on to say, and that not of yourself. What not of yourself? Faith. That ability to take God at his word, to believe something so wonderful. Peter said here, you haven't seen him, but you believe him. That's what spawned the thought in my head. You haven't heard him physically, but you've heard him. You, you might be unconverted in this meeting. I'm going to do, ask you to do something risky. God, give me the gift of faith. Remember we were having a mission in, in, in the Loop in Mid-Ulster. I went to, I can just remember, we, there's the crossroads, the Presbyterian Church is on the left, straight on for Coke, back towards uh, Macherfeld, to the left you'll go towards Tomb, and to the right you go towards Kirkstown, eventually. Take past money more and then to Kirkstown. And just as we turned around Kirkstown and up the road, and up the road about a mile and a half, I still remember it only happened yesterday, and into the left, down this wee lane, and I went to this lane, talking to this wee fella. You're a bit, wee fella, you've been 19. And I said, I'm going around inviting people with the tent there at the crossroads. We're inviting people to this mission. We'd like you to come along. He says, there's nobody here. I said, hello, nobody. He says, I'm not a believer. He says, I'm an agnostic or I'm an atheist. I said, are you? Well, I said, I'll tell you what you'll do. I said, you go out into the middle of that field there and tell God he doesn't exist. Oh, he says, I couldn't do that. What would God do on me? I'm going to tell you to do something risky. You don't believe in God. You go home and tell him. Ask him graciously for the gift of faith. God, the devil has blinded my mind so much. He has controlled my life so much. I have found it impossible. When I look at all the things around me, when I hear all the voices around me, when I see all the things that's happening in the world, I'm finding it extremely difficult to believe in you. But Say, listen, at least for once in your life, say, God, I want to believe in you. I want to believe you. I want to believe that the riches of God's word is true. I want to believe that the real message of Christmas is real and is true. I want to believe that there is a place called heaven. I want to believe that there is a condition called sin. And I want to believe there is a gracious gift of the Holy Spirit that's able to make me wise unto salvation. I want to believe. When you say that to God, I would be very surprised that if you come with honesty, humility, and hunger, and desire, that God wouldn't reveal himself to you. The mercies that are attached to the grace, or the miracles that are attached to the mercy of God are boundless. What about forgiveness? 
that God could forgive me? Huh? You know, if you'd been the only person standing at the cross, hurtling abuse at the Savior as he died in your place, he still would have said, Father, forgive them. Forgive him. Forgive her. For they haven't got a clue what they're doing. And the secret is in they haven't got a clue. His mercy. It's miraculous. Let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for the mercy of God. New, or, new, new, new every morning is are your mercies. Great is your faithfulness. Father, I pray for every soul, every individual who's heard your voice. Lord, as you've drawn near and sought to knock on the heart of individuals, as you've uh, been seeking, Lord, to rattle a cage, perhaps cause alarm, alarm. Father, I pray that now, Lord, some soul will say, God, I want to believe in you. I really, really want to believe in you. For us, Lord, who have known your salvation, thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I've been born again. Thank you, Lord, that I, for your protection. Thank you for your riches, the inheritance of the riches of glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing His mercy is more. His mercy is more. And we'll uh, stand and sing. I, listen, I'll be at the door. We're going to be practicing shortly, but I'm going to be at the door for, for a few brief moments. If you'd like to speak with me, I'll gladly do so. But let's stand and sing together.
Our Father, as we travel home, we pray that we will know the consciousness of your presence. Now may grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, rest, abide, and remain with us each one as we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless.